RT Lab was created with the intention of helping bridge the gap between the various healthcare professions. My name's Amy. I'm a registered respiratory therapist. Some of you may know me as Breathe Easy from Instagram and YouTube. Over my time on social media, I've seen that the biggest cause for this divide is that we don't know enough about what each other do. So let's try to fix that. Stick around to see who our guest for this podcast is and let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to RT Lab. I wanted to introduce you guys to Joe. You may or may not know him as Respiratory Coach on Instagram and YouTube. Really wish I would have found his stuff when I was a student in respiratory therapy school. So I'm going to kind of hand the platform over real quick here to you so that you can introduce yourself and kind of give them an idea of how you got to where you're at today as a clinical instructor and running your YouTube and Instagram. Sure, absolutely. First of all, Amy, thank you for uh, inviting me to be a part of this. It's exciting stuff uh, for me just to see, uh, you know, the field and, and respiratory therapists around around the, the country and the world kind of starting to join together and do things like this. It's something that I can tell you that in my career has has been missing. Um, we kind of just go through our day-to-day uh, work life within our own facility and there's there's been very little of this uh, collaborating happening um, of these you know different minds and different different practices and what we're seeing. So I actually love this and I appreciate what you're doing, Amy. Um, as you said, uh, I've graduated uh, from respiratory school from Amarillo College back in 2001. Um, from there, I've basically practiced at the bedside since then, primarily in adult critical care. And in 2011, I decided to join um, a local college and go teach as a full-time uh, professor there. And around 2000 and I want to say the end of 18, maybe uh, somewhere around there. I think that's I, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhere around there, I started my uh, YouTube channel and the YouTube channel actually was kind of an accident because um, I started it because I had all these different groups of my actual students uh, coming to me and asking me to explain a concept that was not in my class. And so I was explaining it four different times. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to make a video so that next time somebody asks me, can you explain this to me? I'm going to say, absolutely, watch this video, right? Um, and then mm-hmm. that I'm, not, I'm not explaining the exact same concept over and over every two or three days. And so um, that's how it all started. And the, ty- the, the name of the channel is Respiratory Coach. Uh, you can find it on YouTube there. And that has essentially just kind of evolved into a community that uh, where a lot of students come for information. Uh, They ask questions. I respond to them, Uh, you know, make videos uh, per request as often as I can. As the channel grows, obviously, it gets harder to get those requests out in in a timely manner. But I do attempt uh, to try to answer everybody's questions uh, to the best of my knowledge. I also have lots of practicing respiratory therapists on there who are just interested in learning more and and perfecting their craft even more. And that's what I really, that's kind of where I've really seen uh, the enjoyment come from is that it's not just, it's not just there in a a tool and a resource for, for student respiratory therapists and those about to graduate and those looking for material to help them for their boards and things like that. It's actually uh, weaponizing the actual field of respiratory therapy uh, and, and, and challenging individuals to, uh, I guess just be be better, 
just just you know stop accepting average and the substandard practice that that occurs in so many places and uh take it uh, uh you know in a, in a sense of your own personal desire just to be the very best respiratory therapist you can be and that's kind of where the channel uh has grown to to this day uh, it's very interesting like i said you get comments and reached out to from you know saudi arabia and 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 Poland and 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 all these different places um, from all different disciplines uh, saying you know I never knew this how how can I work with respiratory therapy uh, in this right. area and that's so good because we have to get to a state of collaboration uh, with other disciplines so they truly understand our value that we bring to the bedside otherwise we're just out there doing our own thing and 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 people just say hey there's respiratory. So absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I really liked about your your channel as well, because you do have a lot of really great educational content. And there was a video you posted a while ago, and I believe it was talking to new grads and people just entering the field. And you said something to the effect of don't be average because average is easy. And you are really uh, motivating, especially new RTs and people that have been in the field to really push their practice and make sure that they were putting themselves out there, pushing the profession forward and not just doing the bare minimum. And I think that's one of the things that I've always really appreciated about your channel is that you really, really push for uh, excellence, just pushing the profession forward as a whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's um, that's kind of been or my my mantra, I guess, kind of in a way is just it's always bugged. It's always bugged me when you talk to so many respiratory therapists and, and believe me, I've been in, in, in various facilities to where, you know, you just have this this general sense of grumbling um, about the lack of respect that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that RTs feel they don't get that they feel like they deserve. And I got to a point uh, several years back to where anytime I was involved in a conversation like that, I could easily diffuse the conversation by saying, well, what have you done to deserve the respect you're looking for? Because if all you're doing is NEB treatments, you know, IS is a few oxygen checks and going home. Mm -hmm. like, that's, that's not, you know, that I'm not saying that's not important, but what I'm saying is that's not what a respiratory therapist is. Respiratory therapist right. is a critical thinking healthcare provider, a specialist in the cardiopulmonary system, which just happens to be pretty important to life. And so my hope yeah. is, is that we motivate people to get to representing their practice in that same level of importance. So, yeah, it's um, it's 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 and I, I will be honest with you, I have to give credit to the average is easy to uh, an ex colleague of mine. Uh, her name was Tanya Edwards, and she's the one who stated that before I ever thought about it. Um, and she says that average is easy. And and I love it, too. So I say it as much as I can just to get everybody else to be thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that that's a great point that you brought up. People complaining about, you know, not getting enough respect and things like that. And I, I've noticed and this is, you know, not to put anyone down or throw shade at anybody. If you are just doing breathing treatments and doing those, you know, quick orders and then immediately running to a break room or the ABG lab and then sitting and then whatever floor you're on does not see you for the rest of the night, their respiratory therapist isn't going to be, you know, at, at the front of their mind. They're going to forget that you're there if you're not physically there, if that makes any sense. 
you know, we need to be present as clinicians. We need to be assessing all of our patients fully, having those conversations with physicians and the other colleagues that we're working with. It's it's a whole process. You you know, you don't just go and give your NEB treatment <laughs> without assessing your patient and making sure that they have, without making sure that they have all of the other treatments that they could actually be benefiting from. 100%, Amy. It may, what you just said makes perfect sense. Um, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And I like the way you prefaced it with, you know, not to throw shade or to call anybody out or, or to, 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 you know, disrespect anyone. But see, that's where we got to this because there's been so many people along the way for years that have tiptoed around calling it what it is, you know. And right. And I, I think it comes from a level of not just comfort, but also, you know, RTs have been notoriously stretched thin in certain facilities. So we have to find a way to be able to promote being present in the areas that we're assigned to and practicing at the top of our scope and not just going, okay, I've got a, an hour, two hours until my next rounds. I'm going to just sit here and do nothing for those two hours. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a, 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 a question the other day from a, from a, a student who had just graduated about to start their internship and they said how do I not be average like help me like tell me what I need to do and and I just simply commented I said when everybody else is sitting around you get up be visible be at the bedside be in your charts talk to your other healthcare member teams you know and and you know um look at your waveforms talk about those things that no one else is talking about that's where it is so you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. That gains a lot of respect just from physicians I've worked with when we are talking about modes of mechanical ventilation or uh, issues that a patient might be having with a specific mode they're on. I will bring them to the bedside with me and pull up waveforms and loops and show them here. This is what this is showing us. What do you think? Here's our IE ratio. Look at what, you know, look what happens to our waveforms when we do this. And they having that visual representation they're a lot more likely to agree with you and realize that you understand what you're talking about. And then you can do what's best for the patient at that time. It might take an extra second to go grab someone and bring them with you or really lay those things out, but it's really worth it in the end. Absolutely. And you're my hero just for telling me that you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to get more people, more, more therapists have to start doing it. You're exactly right. What you're speaking right now is so true. And so you're exactly right. That's the way you get that respect. And they may not even be receptive the first time. That's the important part is that it's so oh, yeah, deflated yeah. because it's like, well, come look at these waveforms. And, and maybe the doc doesn't want to look at the waveforms. Yeah, I don't, I'm not interested. It doesn't mean you stop. You keep try, You just keep having the conversations mm -hmm. over and over. And at some point in time, they will listen. Absolutely. And I think that's um, a huge reason that RTs need to be a part of rounds. Even if I am super busy, as long as I'm not in the middle of an emergency, I will stop whatever I'm doing to make sure I am there during the round so that if I've come across something or, you know, the, the physicians, the nurse, the dietitian, anyone else involved in those rounds, that I am a part of those. There's no reason that respiratory therapists should not be in rounds, especially in the ICU for their patients. And that's another thing that will get you a lot of respect and it's going to get your face known. You can introduce yourself to whoever's on, especially, um, you know, if you work at a large facility where maybe it's a teaching facility and residents and fellows are kind of changing out every week or, you know, every so many months, you need to make sure that they know who you are as a respiratory therapist, that you are the specialist and you're the person they're going to be looking for when they have an issue. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I know this is your podcast, but can I ask you a question? 
Yeah, what, sure. Absolutely. What do you say to the RT that is not interested in participating in rounds? What, why do you think not, not what do you say to them, but, but why do you think they don't? Why do you think so many RTs choose not to participate in rounds? You know, there's, I think I'm sure it's different from facility to facility. One of the issues that we run into is that the, that rounds are right at the beginning of our rounds. So that can be difficult, especially if it's your first day on and you're not very familiar with your patients. And depending on how thorough the report you've gotten on those patients, um, you know, some people are more interested in getting their rounds done quickly to make sure they've seen all of their patients than being a part of those rounds. But for me, sometimes being a part of those rounds can give me a lot more insight than just doing my initial assessments. So regardless of how busy I am, like I was saying, I will always make time for those rounds because you're going to learn plan of action. You're going to figure out what's new that's going on with the patient, any procedures. And like I said, just showing face and getting to know the, the team. But that's the primary complaint that I have heard is just that our rounds are at the same time. And they start at different locations. I'm not sure if it's the same everywhere else, though. It's or maybe I've also heard that people feel intimidated as if they're going to get quizzed. And that's definitely not the case because I have asked questions in the middle of rounds, you know, it, obviously without interrupting, like, hey, I was looking at this. What do you guys think about this? Or why are we why are we going this direction? And people appreciate it because every once in a while you'll get the response. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Why are we doing this instead of this? Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you I think you've uh, essentially hit the hit the nail on the head with in probably a lot of facilities. I think you're right. I think it is time based. And I think another one is a big intimidation factor, um, which is something that I try to focus on when I talk to my students and when when I prepare them for rounds and stuff. One of the things that I found to eliminate that intimidation factor is if if RTs, if you can bring something to rounds that no one else knows, like a lot of times you see, you know, people mm -hmm. involved in rounds and you know, do you have anything to add? And the answer is no. But the thing is, is that the rounds haven't talked about, you know, internal respiration, external respiration. They haven't talked about carrying capacity. They haven't talked about the things that make us respiratory therapists, driving pressure, P100, things like that. And if, if I, my opinion is, is that if, if RTs could approach those rounds with information that no one else knows, then suddenly you're not as intimidated, but now you're, res you, you, you're respected and you're seen as somebody who's like, wow, I didn't even know somebody was even looking at that. Right. And that's that's an amazing tip, actually. <laughs> I love that because I know there have been various times where, especially when I started, I would do I would attend rounds on patients that were within the ICU in general to learn from other therapists that were working at that time that were more senior. And they would ask things like that, or they would bring up, um, you know, different equations they had done from their ABG talking about shunting versus, you know, other issues that could be going on. I remember thinking, wow, I want to be like them when I'm not a baby RT anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, 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 that's exactly true. Um, and and you get there by staying engaged and interested, you know, like like you do. Um, that's the that's 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 I think is what the key is. I, I think I think my generation of respiratory therapists has completely failed your generation of respiratory therapists. We've completely failed you. And I'll just be real honest with you here, okay? We don't give we we, we some of us may model it for you, but we don't really give you the tools you need to understand it. And then, then the rest of us just reprogram you right out of school. And you say, oh, you don't need to know any of that stuff. Nobody ever asked mm -hmm. about it. But that's, that is not correct either. So um, yeah, yeah, having as much information 
that's unique to what we do that shows that you're specialized is a, is a big key. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, there's a lot that goes into rounds and I would miss therapy to attend round. Obviously I would go back and get therapy done, but rounds oh, big, yes, is, a big, is, a, is a big part of, 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 of this equation of, of the growth of, of respiratory therapy. What advice do you have for, um, you know, whether it's new graduate respiratory therapists that may be, like you said, intimidated, um, or even people that have been in the field for a while, what would you say to them when they do feel a little bit of that burnout from going to physicians with ideas that you know are correct because you're the professional in that area, you're, you're the expert, so you know what the patient needs, but you keep getting pushback or perhaps those ideas keep getting brushed off. What would you, what would you tell those people? I would, I would tell that person to find a like-minded individual that even when other people aren't listening to them, they have a soundboard that they can talk to. And I'm not talking about somebody to call and, 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 and complain to. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody mm -hmm. who on a weekly basis, you know, you don't just go to work, clock out and go home and live your life, which is fine. You can. Um, but if you're see the reason I think burnout happens is exactly what you just said, overworked and not listened to. But if, so, if you can have a team around you that listens to you and you can share these ideas, I promise you, you'll, ideas will just flow from your brain and you're just like, oh my gosh, I never even realized that. And what you learn is that the burnout is combated just by the excitement of constantly learning. I know it sounds boring. When you think about learning, you think about school and nah, nah, who wants to learn, right? But seriously, it is so exciting <laughs> when you can just have a professional conversation. You know, we call them RT nerds and there's not enough of them out there. You can't, you can't just, I, you know, if I work with you know, a staff of 30 RTs, there's probably only one that I could probably call on our day off and have a 20 minute discussion about a theory related to respiratory therapy. It's like, hey, man, I had this patient the other day and the doc wouldn't listen to me. I was trying to get this point across. And he wouldn't. What are your thoughts on this? Am I right? You know, and you start talking about it and conversing right. about it. And it just comes to life. And that right there combats uh, burnout. That's it. In my opinion. I yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, to be honest, at work, I tend to keep to myself a little bit. I'm going through charts or, you know, like I'll, I'll talk to everybody for a couple of minutes. But I always find those, like you said, our teen nerds and those end up being the people that we end up talking probably the most, talking about theories or uh, methods of mechanical ventilation for different issues we have going on. Or those are the first people that I seek out when I don't know something and ask them, hey, what do you think about this? These are the issues I'm having and this is what I've done, but these things aren't working. And to be honest, I've even gotten to a point with some of our physicians that I'll do the same thing. I will go ask them, hey, these are the things I've tried. These are the issues we're having. You know, what are your thoughts? Or even, you know, tell me why we are doing these things. Like, can you explain to me why we're going this direction instead of this direction? And it turns into a really engaging conversation. I like the way you said that. If, if, for those for those listening, that's the answer to the question. The way she was talking about talking to physicians and then the way you worded that is key in conversing with physicians is is tell me what you're thinking and why we're going this way and not this way. That's that's an that's an amazing way to word that because you're asking them to share their knowledge with you. You're not trying to tell them they don't know what they're doing because they're not doing it this way. That that that's a great right. tip right there, Amy. I think 
Um, and thank you, but I, I think approaching things of I'm right, you're wrong, I don't like what you're doing, this is what we have to do, that can come across really abrasive sometimes. Even if let's say, let, let's say that, you know, whatever order was presented is probably not the best direction to go. Um, approaching it from a different perspective or with a different demeanor is going to get you a lot further than just simply I want to do this. Okay, well, explain to them why you want to do this and ask them what their thoughts are and why we're not doing it. It's you so much further than anything yeah, I agree. else, I think. I, I, I completely agree. Because respect, respect goes a long Absolutely. way. Absolutely, <laughs> 100%. I mean, the th same things that, that you've, you've experienced, Amy, as a new grad, um, and I know you're not a new grad anymore, but when you mm -hmm. came out as a new grad and, and as, a, as, a, as a fresh RT, the same frustrations... Oh, I still consider myself fresh. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm going to consider myself a baby RT until I've been doing it five or six years and maybe still even okay. then. <laughs> so the, the same problems you're facing as a baby RT are the same problems I faced 20 years ago as a baby RT. See, that, that's what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating mm -hmm. is when you look at the growth and the progression, it's not, um, I think, where a lot of us want it to be. But the things we were talking about during the rounds that make you a specialist, the reason a lot of them aren't talked about is because they've either forgotten them or they don't remember them or, or that's the same thing, I guess. But um, maybe they never knew them and they're not asked and challenged to do them very often. So what we're trying to do is bring back a lot of these specialized aspects of what we do along with the evolving research-based medicine that is coming out that we still really aren't real good at practicing at. And we're just trying to build an army. Mm -hmm an army of progressive thinking respiratory therapists that we can surround ourselves with because we all work as respiratory therapists and exactly what you were talking about, the burnout, you know, it happens to everybody. Like you said, that's a huge thing to combat burnout or just feeling unmotivated in general, because it can be really hard to get a lot of pushback or if you work in a group of people that maybe are not quite as like-minded, it is great to have a group that you can go to and bounce ideas off of. And, you know, things like that are contagious. When people start to see that you're excited about things and obviously that you're not um, being a know-it-all or trying to challenge people, they start to get comfortable and ask questions and start to do the same thing. So I think having that attitude and continuing to push progressive ideas forward, it, it's really a, a, a contagious thing. <laughs> like I, I've seen it in my own facility, just as people start getting excited and more people start coming in that have a progressive way of thinking for the field, more people start coming forward and, oh yeah, you know what? I really love that and I've been thinking that way too, but I was kind of worried that people were gonna make fun of me because I'm so excited about this. And that kind of breaks my heart when I hear people tell me that. So I think it would be great to have a place where um, you know people can kind of have those like-minded people and have those conversations without fear of being seen as you know a know-it-all or whatever you wanna call it. Now, exactly right, you used the word fear in there a couple of times. And, and, and I'll tell you that yeah. my approach and my strategy to teaching is my very first objective in every new class I have is to destroy any aspect of fear because fear blocks learning. It really does. If you feel dumb Absolutely. or you feel like, oh, is that going to be a stupid question or this or that? It completely eliminates the ability to really learn the material and really, you know, grow yourself because you're constantly holding yourself back because of the fear. And 
And I have a hard time getting people to understand that. It's like, yeah, you're probably going to be judged if you ask a question, no matter what. Like you can't take away judgment of others, right? But here's the deal about asking questions. Ask them, every single one of them. Somebody's going to judge you, but it's not going to be to your face. Therefore, it never happens. And so it doesn't matter. Right. Like, who cares what <laughs> someone else says? That was a dumb question. Don't care. I learned something. Right. And I always tell people also, it's better to ask a question, even if you feel silly asking the question, than not saying anything at all and having an issue from it. And who knows, even if you ask a question, you feel silly, you might get the response back we were talking about before where, oh man, you know what? I don't know why we're not doing that, or we should be doing this, or let's, let's find out together. Um, you know, it's a learning process and there really is no such thing as a dumb question because either someone's learning from it or someone's benefiting from it on a clinical level. And that's kind of what we're all exactly. about. Exactly. You're exactly right. I'll tell you something interesting. Also, I had a good friend of mine the other day. Now, he's been practicing. He's been a practicing respiratory therapist longer than me. OK, so he's which which I'm. And I haven't been really doing it that long. 20 years is significant, but not really that long. He's been in it for almost 40 years. And so oh, the wow. other day, he's like, man, I couldn't figure, figure out this patient the other day. Uh, he was super asynchronous. And I said, what was his P100? And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about, Joe. So it opened up the door <laughs> to have this conversation about occlusion pressure. Well, here's what happened the very next day mm -hmm. after we had this, this talk about this. And he was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. He goes back to his job and, and back to work. And in a progress note, he notes a change that he makes in response to a significant occlusion pressure finding. Now, here's where it gets really cool. The physician approaches him and says, hey, I saw you mentioned uh, the P100 in your, in your progress notes. And Barry said, yes, sir. And he said, I need you to tell me what that is. So when you feel dumb <laughs> for not knowing something, <laughs> understand that there's, there's probably a physician out there who's going to be asking you to explain something to them one of these days. And so um, it just opened up a really cool, like you said, learning opportunity. He had just learned about it the day before. And the very next day, he got an opportunity to teach it. And from there, the physician got on a computer and was uh, Googling the, the research base behind it. And, you know, so it learned something. It's going to mm -hmm. all lead to better patient care. Absolutely. That is, that's amazing. And you know what, that's one of the, the reasons actually that I, I love talking to you and I always ask you to do lives with me and I'm messaging you and stuff is because I find every time we talk, I always leave feeling really motivated. I'm like, man, I need to go out there and do some stuff. I need to crack my books back open. I need to look at some research. I need to do this and that. And that's honestly, that's just one of the reasons that like, I, I love your YouTube channel. I love your Instagram and everything that you're all about and kind of doing. So I always really appreciate when you take the time to talk with me because I know that so many other people feel the same way watching your content. I mean, your channel on YouTube has grown so much. I think you have over 6,000 subscribers at this point. And that's a, that's a huge growth, especially in our field, because respiratory is a very small community. And I know you've got more people than respiratory therapists watching your channel as well, because I'll see people commenting every once in a while asking stuff. And I'm like, man, that is so amazing because you're drawing people in from more than just our field, just by showing your passion for what you do. And that's amazing. Well, thank you, Amy. I'm not very good at taking compliments, but I do appreciate those kind words. <laughs> Oh, well, see, that was, that was good, though. You said thank you. That's all it takes. That's all you have oh, to do. Is, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's the that. first step. <laughs> That's funny. 
I wanted to thank you for coming on again and joining the podcast. Before we before we kind of head out, is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just some final words of encouragement or just anything else you wanted to wrap um, up? On? I mean, just, just to the students out there who are going through a really difficult time right now, uh, just stick with it. You know, a lot of students are discouraged right now with the virtual, the shift of virtual learning, and you're not, you're not able to get into the facilities to do clinicals like we could at one one point, which is hopefully going to be opening up soon. But we don't know if, you know, whenever it happens, it'll happen. But I know it's very frustrating for students right now, so I'm just going to encourage them just to stick with it and just don't quit. I've never known a respiratory a student who wanted to be a respiratory therapist that could not do it. And to your your coworkers and and to all the other respiratory therapists out there that are listening or anybody who's watching listeners, just kind of what we started with, take it, uh, you know, a personal challenge for yourself to challenge your own current practice. And, and it all comes from yourself. There's nothing, uh, you know, that forces you to be better. You just have to want to be better. And that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to take you as, as a whole, you know, Amy can go out there and do an amazing job in rounds and and take care of her patients but then someone else comes on and does it for the betterment of the patients it has to mm -hmm. be a collective movement moving forward just to 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 impact every single sick person we take care of during their most vulnerable time that's it it's all about people and loving people and taking care of them that's it that's all i got amy absolutely that and that's amazing you know what there's a really amazing respiratory therapist that i work with as well and she told me something that she was told as a new grad years ago and, you know, people can listen to us talk and they can read things and they can really focus on stuff, but no one is going to force someone to be an exceptional respiratory therapist except for themselves. So they've got to do that work. They've got to show up. They've got to put in the work and, you know, keep, keep listening to things like this. Keep talking with your coworkers, respiratory therapists, nursing, uh, dietitians, physicians, everyone that's involved, and you will more than certainly be... Absolutely. Than average. Phenomenal finish. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of RT Lab. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at rtlab.podcast to stay up to date with the most recent episodes we'll be coming out with, as well as following us on whatever listening platform you're using to keep being part of this conversation. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.